Armed American Radio listeners, today's Armed American Radio's recorded version of the national radio broadcast, the Armed American Radio podcast, is being brought to you today and every day by North American Arms. Make sure to visit NorthAmericanArms.com for the finest mini revolvers on planet Earth. NorthAmericanArms.com. Enjoy the show. American Radio's Daily Defense. Armed American Radio's Daily Defense, because they don't want me to, that's why I do it. Presented by X-Insurance. X-Insurance. From the Sig Sauer Studios, on the Daniel Defense Platinum Microphone. They're never going to stop us here. Here is your host, the loudest conservative voice in America fighting the enemies of freedom, Mark Walters. Well, the fight goes on, but Mark is still in Vegas, although tomorrow will be a travel day. He will be back with you on Monday. This Sunday. See? Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. I stand corrected. He'll be back with you on Sunday. He's going to work on Sunday after all that traveling. Wow. Well, I guess he'd have to, wouldn't he? Yeah, that's, like, that's like the big... Yeah, that's a monster cast. So. I guess he'd have to. I hope he doesn't have jet lag. I'm sure... He, I, how many? He's done this for like 20 years. I, what am I worried about? I, this is not even... This is not, I don't even have a dog in this fight. I am your guest host. My name is Bill Frady. I do a show called Lock and Load with Bill Frady and one called Gun Owners News Hour with Bill Frady and one called Straight Talk with Bill Frady. And that, that about covers it. And I get to I get to fill in for Mark this, this week on this one, which is sort of a thrill for me. It's a treat to be amongst you. The Supreme Court has made it very perfectly clear that even with the Heller decision, they've made it clear that the... Uh, Firearms in common use, in common and usual use, as a matter of fact, are constitutional. But this doesn't stop the blue state legislatures and some courts from violating the Second Amendment. And the always, always, the low-hanging fruit on this is always the AR-15. Because it's a weapon of war, don't you know? Now, Josh Sugarman figured out what he needed to call it in order for it to be vilified, and they've been doing it ever since. And on uh, the 3rd of November, a three-judge panel of the United States Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit overturned an injunction against Illinois assault weapons ban, deciding that AR-15s are not protected by the Second Amendment, despite the fact that they've been, yeah, they, they, they are, yeah. This was issued in Barnett v. Raul by the U.S. District Judge Stephen P. McGlynn, a Donald Trump appointee. And his decision was appealed to the Seventh Circuit, where a three-judge panel decided to one against the injunction. And the three judges were Ronald Reagan appointee Frank Esterbrook, Bill Clinton appointee Diane P. Wood, and Donald Trump appointee Michael P. Brennan. Esterbrook and Wood constituted the, the panel majority in overturning the injunction. Uh, they noted that Heller held that, like most rights, the right secured by the Second Amendment is not unlimited. However, however, Heller also was the one that came up with this standard about common use. 
they found that machine guns were not protected under the Second Amendment because they're not bearable arms, and that is because they can be dedicated exclusively to mis- uh, military use. And then they decided to go out on the what-if game, which is not something you should ever do when you're actually, you know, when, when you're a court of law. You, you should never play the what-if game because that's always a bad deal. Let me explain. <laughs> they focused on the similarities as to Brook and Wood between the AR-15 and the M-16. And, uh, you know, the M-16, of course, is the fully automatic uh, military-issued weapon. They wrote, that the, and see, this is the one thing. While they're wanting to sit around there and play the what-if game, I really wish they'd go ahead and play it all the way because the AR-15 came before the M-16 came before the m4 it was it was you know it was a civilian weapon that was adopted to the military it was adopted to the military because it was small it was light it had a lighter uh, round that it would carry it it was easy to be modified to that to that end as far as that was concerned but we're talking about the you know engineers that work in weapons making companies so yeah they, they they turned it into a fully automatic weapon now, of course, Estabrook and Wood, who you would ex- expect to be a little more educated, they said that they uh, found out how easy it is to modify the AR-15 by adding a bump stock or an auto sear to it, thereby making it, in essence, a fully automatic weapon. And in a decision addressing a ban on bump stocks enacted by the Maryland legislature, another federal court found the bump stock devices enable rates of fire between 400 to 800 rounds per minute. Which, that's remarkable. They also note about that both guns use the same ammunition and deliver the same kinetic energy. But Judge Brennan dissented from the majority decision, stressing that the Illinois assault weapon ban fails if tested by Bruin because the ban has no historical precedent in American history. And Illinois residents decided to agree with Brennan. So... It appears, and you've probably already heard this already, but, you know, let's look at it in some detail, that most owners of the assault-style weapons, as they say, and uh, this, I don't know what which uh, publication this came from, the assault-style weapon, they appear not to have registered guns in order to legally keep them. <laughs> and we get the state banned assault-style weapons a year ago, but allowed people to keep the ones they already own, provided they register them before January 1st, 2024. Only 1% of the people with firearm owners' identification cards, or the FOID card, in the state registered by the deadline, according to the Illinois State Police. Just over 29,000 people reported nearly 69,000 weapons as of December 31st, according to the state. There are 2.5 million FOID holders in Illinois. It's not known how many FOID holders possess guns now banned in Illinois, but gun sellers and others say they believe tens of thousands of legal gun owners were likely turned into scoff laws overnight on New Year's Day. Now, it you know, at first blush, that would worry me a little bit about the tyrants coming after me, except tyrants typically are pencil necks. So, and tyrants are going to be relying on somebody else to do their dirty work for them. And we get this. Just days after Illinois became the ninth U.S. state to ban assault rifles, the state already hit a roadblock to implementing the law, the defiant sheriff's offices. At least 74 Illinois sheriff's departments have publicly vowed to defy elements of a recent gun control law signed by Governor J.B. Pritzker, which banned assault weapons, high-capacity magazines, and switches. 
The officers have vowed not to check if weapons are registered with the state or house individuals arrested only for not complying with the law. Now, Illinois actually has 102 counties. Likely more than 74 will not be enforcing the ban. They're just not making public statements. But 74 have. And the Illinois Sheriff's Association issued a statement Wednesday expressing con- uh, continued opposition to the law. And dozens of sheriff's offices began to post nearly identical messages promising they would not check for compliance with the law or arrest offenders for the law. And J.B., well, he's not happy with that. Not even a little. He has vowed, vowed to ensure those members of law enforcement who fail to do their job won't be in their job. Now, the AR-15 which even calling it an AR-15 is a uh, misnomer. Like, uh, I have a uh, Mitchell Defense 15, which is, it makes it an MD-15. I have some uh, Spikes Tactical 15s, which make them ST-15s. So AR stands for Armor Light Rifle. And that's why, you know, they were the first ones to come out with it. And that's why it became the generic AR-15. But the, the model number is just 15. And we should give the props to the people that make them, because some people make some really good ones. So I have an MD-15 and a bunch of uh, ST-15s, but, yeah, this is a common and usual weapon. Here in the United States, are the most popular semi-automatic rifle in America, and unlike the majority Seventh Circuit opinion, they're not really that easily converted to fully automatic fire. And bump stock, uh, I think bump stocks... All all a bump stock is is enhanced semi-automatic fire. That's all it is. It's literally bumping your finger off the trigger over and over again. And uh, here's the thing. In the military, they always tell an officer that they should never issue an order that they know is not going to be obeyed. Yeah. And the anti-gun, anti-liberty legislatures and governors and courts... They should probably follow that military wisdom. I mean, that's just from the from the view of the you know, when you look at the optics for how these guys work, because everything's about perception with these guys. So if they're perceived to not be able to if they don't have a hold of their state, for example, as in J.B. Pritzker's uh, particular case right now, uh, it he appears to be an impotent leader. And you can't be a tyrant and a totalitarian and be impotent at the same time. I'm sorry, that's just not the way that works. Not at all. Not ever. Anyway, we're going to be right back. This is Armed American Radio's Daily Defense. Defense firearms are guaranteed for life, trusted worldwide, and designed, engineered, and manufactured right here in America. Daniel Defense, freedom, passion, precision. Daily Defense. You know, there's uh, 
some credible evidence that the Uvalde killer was claiming to be one of those confused people. You know, they they call themselves transgenders. Uh, That's not really even a thing. You know, it's just not, it's not doable. It's not doable. It's no more doable than me waking up and deciding that I want to be a Bengal tiger, you know. Now we know that the Nashville Covenant school killer, Audrey Hale, she also was confused. And uh, the part of her being confused, that part of it was quickly uh, buried. Another probable trans shooter killed one and wounded five at Perry, Iowa. And he also committed suicide. And here's the thing. This is where the disservice comes in. Because the media comes in and decides to deny, or at the very least minimize the facts pointing to the killer's identity, his his confused trans-queer identity. Now, normally what they do is they will seize on every one of these attacks and use this as a means to deny you a weapon. But if a supposed transgender is involved, they want to just, you know, put that one underneath the shelf. And this is because the narrative demands that we look at all of these people, all of these trans people, as, you know, and they have to be universally looked at as noble and exalted examples of humanity, a higher higher plane of intelligence, morally perfected form of life, mystically in touch with an evolved consciousness, which for me and you is just, it, we, there's no way to imagine that. We just don't know. We, we just don't know. And the obvious implication that uh, these confused people are mentally unstable and prone to suicide, hatred, and violence well, we can't be talking like that. That's just that's just irresponsible now, ain't it? <laughs> and when you consider their very publicized J6 political focus and their general failure in intercepting school shooters, it's really surprising that the FBI recently caught one of these confused people before they killed anyone, which brings us now to the... Uh, the story of a self-described Nazi dominatrix didn't make it to being a shooter because they and see looking at this you would think when you look at some of the uh, elements of this that led to this uh, this uh, preempting of this uh, rampage killing since we know. That these people are known. We knew we knew that Audrey Hale was known to this person. Every 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 one of these people is known to law enforcement in some way, shape, or form. This is not like we have somebody that's just normal one day and he you know he's working at the drive-through or something, and the next day he becomes a rampage killer. That that's not the way that works. Now they this this uh, would be confused shooter. He wanted to mass murder a trans... Well, he wanted to mass murder transphobes, plural. Now, since there cannot be any transgender at all, uh, there's no such thing as a transphobe either. Either, excuse me. But um, this guy had been posting racist, anti-Semitic content on social media for months. 
vilifying blacks, Jews, and immigrants. And then the media went into their into their spin. The few that did cover the arrest also opted to focus on the Nazi flag-waving suspect's white nationalist ideology and uh, didn't mention his trans-fueled bloodlust. And they ref- and uh, both the Oregonian and Court Watch referred to the transgender as an Oregon woman. Except it wasn't a woman. Now, the FBI was informed of the intentions in September of 2023. It's on Facebook on the Trans Woman Support Group. Coming in the personage of Elizabeth West. And... Uh, it's right there on Facebook. Yeah, in, in, in September. It's right there on Facebook. In his threat posted uh, on Facebook, Elizabeth West claimed he was being bullied by transphobic blanks at work and at the end of my rope and left with no alternative. And West indicated he intended to go out in a blaze of glory, probably with some Bon Jovi playing in the background. In this case... It appears the FBI did its job and intercepted a seriously mentally ill individual before they could commit murder. Now, here comes the biggest issue I have with all of us. Um, these guys are attacking innocent people, and, you know, if they don't fit the narrative, they're just ignored. Why? I'm, I'm, you know, not all rampage killers are going to be confused sexually. And being confused sexually does not necessarily drive you to mass murder. However, going back to that whole perception thing, they're told that we are against them. They're told that, and it's the furthest thing from the truth. If you are confused and you're an adult... And you're, you know, if you, if somebody says, well, you're, this is, you know, they're not mentally ill. Okay. But don't, don't sit back and expect me to be going, well, of course a man can be a woman and vice versa. That's not going to happen. So it's never going to be adopted or accepted. But given the way uh, the, the fake stream media talks about just the way normal people perceive trans people. Um, I, say, I, I guess I could see where they would think that everybody would be against them, but nobody's against them, you know. And they represent a very tiny, tiny portion of the population as they try to force it down our throat sideways. Figures range from 0.5% to 1.7%. And it's worth exploring the obvious mental instability of them and how it might inspire these people to violence. Now, remember, we just banned an AR-15 because it could be converted. Could be. In the interim, though, they're out there, and you'll see them all the time talking about, well, you know, people are committing genocide against my people. Really? Now, I see those, uh, the, you know, the queers for Palestine. I see those guys getting out there. And yeah, if you guys go ahead on over to Gaza, you'll see some genocide brought against you. But it's not because of us. But 
We need to be looking at these predictive factors, if we can, to intercept these rampage killers. Ladies, back with you on self-defense and what you should be doing. Should you be considering non-lethals? This is daily defense. segment of Armed American Radio is being brought to you by Defender Coffee. When you drink Defender Coffee, you're making a donation to a gun rights organization of your choice that protects and defends your freedoms. Welcome back to the show. I do not carry a non-lethal anything with me. Ever. Ever. And there's a few reasons for that. Non-lethals are not dependable, not in my opinion. Police officers have to carry non-lethals because their job is not to shoot people. Their job is to enforce the law. And sometimes in the, in the, uh, in the event of for enforcing law, they have to make arrests. So in most cases, it does not call for lethal force. So they have non-lethals. Uh, a canine is a non-lethal weapon, you know. Now, the thing about some of this stuff is that, like, you know, uh, pepper spray. Pepper spray, some people are, are very sensitive to it. And uh, so carrying something like that does not mean that you're not doing. I mean, pepper spray sometimes kills people. And so do poorly placed or too many baton blows. If they can do it, they're going to get you in some sort of a hold. And that's why they put you in handcuffs, because if you can be put into handcuffs, then they're prob- you're probably not going to do anything to them or be able to do anything to them to where they have to protect their life with lethal force. Now, the thing about police is they would like to protect you, but they can't. There's just not enough of them. And there's way too many of us. And... Uh, you can't sue the police for failing to protect any individual, right? Which means you're solely responsible for your own life and the lives of those that you love. So you're on your own. And what good are the police? They deter crime by their presence and investigate crimes after they occur, both vital functions. But they do a lot more than that. And if, if they catch criminals in the act, so much better. But that's not very, it's not a very common occurrence. Now, handguns, you know, carrying a handgun. Uh, here's the thing about, and, and this is the thing about non-lethals. Non-lethals, with somebody on drugs or something, you could just hose them down with pepper spray, and they, they, it may have no effect on them at all. Now, handgun, on the other hand, it will have an effect, but the problem with handguns then becomes that handgun calibers are notoriously underpowered. The reason we carry handguns is because we cannot conceal long guns. And the sensitivities of uh, our society as it is today prohibits us from doing that because too many people would be upset by me walking down the streets with my really cool 300 Blackout SBR. 
Now, if you look at women's press when it comes to self-defense, they've got all kinds of stuff about less than lethal weapons. And they will depict them as a device that will stop an elephant in its tracks and that are infallible at saving lives. But then, they, you know, normally the, the fake stream, they, they, they don't touch this one because it might give you some ideas. Either way, they're producing bad and potentially deadly advice. So let's talk about two less lethal weapons, pepper spray and knives. Now, pepper spray, you can get it in all kinds of different packages with various colors and with and without hand straps. Three primary sizes, three primary types, rather. Sprays that produce a reasonably tight liquid stream. Sprays that produce a sort of fog and sprays that produce a sticky gel-like stream. It's designed to irritate the eyes, throat, and lungs, producing a burning sensation on the skin. And it does this reasonably well as long as you spray it on, you know, in the eyes, throat, and lungs. Problem, once again, is not everyone is affected. Also, the problem is that you have to hit them in the eyes, throat, and lungs. Now, police officers tend not to use it particularly indoors because when they do, everyone gets a dose. And the cops and the crooks end up coughing and snorting and their eyes running and their eyes burning, but... You know, they still have to uh, wrestle it out. Many people are so drugged or drunk, they barely notice it. Some people just get really mad and determined to hurt the person that sprayed them. Relatively few stop and become, uh, you know, suddenly become cooperative. But sometimes the threat of being sprayed does. And that's a very slim possibility to bet your life on. Then there's wind and precipitation that greatly hampers effective employment. It has to be aimed... And it's only going to be effective at close range. And if you're close enough to spray me with pepper spray, you'd better be quick. And then there's the digging out of a pocket or a purse. That's sort of slow and clumsy, too. So here's the thing. All hand-to-hand encounters end up on the ground. Unless you're a, you are a grappler, you do not want to get on the, put on the ground. If you're a female... They're going to try to get you on the ground to either kill you or rape you or maybe a combination of both, one or the other. You know, I don't know. And that's one of the primary advantages of firearms. They're distance weapons. Now, knives are considered deadly weapons, and their effective use is a martial art requiring years of very careful study and practice. Like Especially the little knives that are marketed to you ladies. And absent that training and practice... Uh, you're probably just going to scratch them. Deadly cuts or thrusts require anatomical knowledge. You've got to be pretty quick. You've got to have timing and skill. And worst of all, they require, once again, to, for you to be in direct contact with their, your attacker. And you're going to need a little upper body strength, and you're going to have to be ferociously aggressive. In order for a knife to be effective, you have got to go full-on you know, psycho with it. Knife fighters know everybody's going to get cut, even themselves. So once again, keys, long-tailed brushes, hairpins, knives, other surefire defensive tactics, even less effective or more dangerous than pepper spray or knives, all of those require direct contact and, and, and for you to be in very close proximity. And if you don't have strength, speed, and aggressiveness and determination to do damage regardless of what happens to you, these things are, are of no value whatsoever to you. Now, Bruce Lee, who was a martial artist, 
who was the greatest martial artist. His whole defensive plan consisted of an eye poke and then a sprint. So this was the Monty Python-esque King Arthur option. Run away. And if that's not possible, then your very next best option is going to be a handgun that you carry every day, that you're intimately familiar and confident with, that you've trained with. This really is the ultimate solution for this kind of thing. And it's also a women's issue as well. Now, we could sit here and we could go back and forth over and over again about and and understand this. Um, and I don't mean this in a bad way. Uh, I have I, I when I was in the military, I served with women that were wholly capable of just about anything they wanted to do. But they were few and far between. And there was plenty of them there that were not. And in the instances where there would be an interaction between us and the ones that were wholly capable uh, we still would smoke them like a cheap have a Tampa nugget. And that's just because there really is a difference. We're heavier. We got more muscle. We got heavier, a heavy, heavier skeleton. We can take damage. We have the mindset to, in a fight, to take damage as we're doling it out. So... All these things, when you consider all these things, looking at... Uh, Non-lethal, please stay away from non-lethals. I mean, in some states, maybe that's all you can have. But if you don't live in one of those states, then you should be joining everybody else out there and carry a gun. It's not that, it's not that, this is not rocket science. You don't want to get in a grappling match with somebody because you got a pepper spray. This is Armed American Radio daily defense. segment of Armed American Radio's Daily Defense is being brought to you by Daniel Defense. Visit DanielDefense.com. Now, back to the show. My understanding is that Mark is uh, perfecting the guitar, and he'll probably, I, I guess he's going to do his own his own bumps, as he told you he's going to do his own bumps, Greg. <laughs> but then he's going to, now, does he, have a, does he have a drummer and a bass player and everything else, or is he just going to be strumming? That's okay. Is he going to video that? Because I like to watch that when he has to pull that guitar in behind all that other stuff and not knock it over. Okay, okay. Well, I'll have to when he's getting ready to play the guitar on his uh, as, as he's tuning out. I need to know when that's about to happen. <laughs> Ladies, the the world has become a very dangerous place. And I'm addressing you because most of the time, if a home invasion is going to happen during the day, guess who's going to be home? And my, my question to you is a very simple one. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about what you will do if somebody starts kicking in your door? 
Typical street crime has spiked in the past several years for a lot of reasons. And uh, a lot of it in the inner city is due, it comes down to the way the leaders lead in the urban environment. But beyond this, it has become fairly well accepted amongst most people for criminal behavior to uh, happen that was uncommon in years past. And this is where being a prepared citizen comes into play. It's a very good thing to come into play. I, I, I think it's very good to be prepared. Chance favors the prepared mind. But you should also be looking around your house and figuring out your family defense plan. Where I'm at right now, I'm in my home studio, which is upstairs in my house. From the front door and the front windows, if somebody were coming in, uh, I would hear that this was a this was not your normal, you know, this wasn't the Jehovah's Witness coming by to knock on my door. I'd be able to tell this was a home invasion. And up here with me, I have a variety of things that I could use to dissuade them from coming in. And that's on purpose. But then when I'm downstairs, I also have a variety of things to dissuade them if, when things happen as well. And that's because I have looked around and I have evaluated how I would defend the house. So, when in public with family, especially if you have small kids, you're going to be more vulnerable, more vulnerable to violence than if you, you know, if you were just by yourself as an able-bodied adult. And this, this is because you have limited mobility when you have your children in tow. And if you are a parent, you realize that going anywhere quickly is all but impossible. You cannot run. You're going to have to stand and fight. So your situational awareness with your children is also compromised, unfortunately. This is hardly a way to infer that you should not have children, but you have to be switched on. You have to be aware of these things. You have to have a defensive plan that takes this vulnerability into account. Now, there are two categories of criminality that raise great concern for anyone who's paying attention, especially if you have a family. The increase in mob violence and the increase in active killer attacks. And both of these threats can manifest instantly when in crowded public places. In some of these cities, you have flash mobs that riot, they loot stores, they assault people. This is becoming increasingly common in the past several years. Now, the likelihood, if you, if you live somewhere in what they refer to as flyover country, of that happening, probably not very likely. But it does happen. Then there's the active killer attacks, a rampage killer, often in the form of a rampaging active shooter, but sometimes in the form of a knife or explosive or vehicle attack. That has become more common. All of those things are exceedingly rare, but they are happening more often. Now, most of you, as you go about your day, you get into a car, your car has your insurance information in it, it has a spare tire, you might have a you might have a uh, first aid kit, a few other things in there to deal with, quote, emergencies, end quote. You need to also seriously consider having to deal with something kinetic. Your partners and any older children, if you're making a plan, they should be included in this plan. And you should discuss what's about to happen with them. Explain to them. While there's no need to be afraid of everything, that there should be a plan in place just in case. 
Being aware is not being afraid. It's simply noticing what's going on around you. This is not a new thing. This is before mobile phones, you know, we never talked about situational awareness as much to the degree we do now. As far as being a gunfighter is, is concerned, situational awareness, most of the people I know that train to be gunfighters never get in trouble. They never get in a gunfight because they're so situationally aware. So we're talking about the good time that goes bad. And if something bad happens in a public place, it'd be really optimal if your family members know what to do in that event. Now, my children are grown. As a matter of fact, hopefully my children, if I'm with either one of my sons, they defend me. But, it, I'm, you know, they don't have to because I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly capable of defending myself. Um, so the plan is that in some, in some sort of event, I am going to try to deal what's going on. And that's going to consist of a bunch of different things that are going to happen. If you have young children, the first thing you need to do is to get them out of there. Mall shooters, I, you know, the, the thing about a mall shooter is that uh, in any mall, in any store, they have an access hallway in the back of each store. So if you hear something happening that sounds like a shooting going on in a mall, grab your kids, push them to the back of the store, whichever one you're in front of, to ask everybody where the access hallway is. Get your weapon out. Let everybody know that you're there to protect them, if you know. And, uh, you know, try to get on the phone, but get everybody in that access hallway and ask everybody, which is the how do I get out of this mall? Because those access hallways are for deliveries. So you can get in there. You can get out of sight because rampage killers are all visual. They're looking for targets. You also might want to think about putting, uh, you know, having some place to meet in the event. Some things go sideways. But. The, the main thing is you actually need to consider this. You consider so many other things nowadays. You should be considering this as well. Because this happens every day. may not happen to you. It, the odds of it happening to you may be astronomical. But it happens every day. It happens in more places. In some places it happens more often than it does in other places. But you should be ready for it each and every time. Because like I said, chance favors the prepared mind. So... Tomorrow, Mr. Rot Walters will be, uh, he'll be, uh, he'll be traveling back. I'll be back with you one more time. And then he will be back on Sunday for the, for the monster show. And, uh, we will do this again very shortly in about, I don't know, less than 24 hours. I think maybe 23. So listen, stay awake, be aware. I'll talk to you tomorrow. This is Armed American Radio's Daily Defense.
Prescription for Freedom with Mark Walters, presented by X-Insurance. X-Insurance. On the Armed American Radio Network. Uh-huh. 